the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this first show, this first week of 2023. Again, as we said earlier, hope that you had a great Christmas, a great New Year. Got to unwind a little bit. Uh, But we are reminded that we come back into some of the same stories that we left with, right? Just again, because the calendar changed doesn't mean there's this magical wiping of the slate clean. There could be psychologically a wiping of the slate clean, but it doesn't mean that everything is new. Everything is... um, you know, gone. The the baggage we brought out of 2022 doesn't magically go away just because it's 2023. We can have perspective shifts. We can say to ourselves, okay, I'm going to set some goals and other things, but it it, it is um, foolish to just go, okay, I'm going to be different. And here's the deal. That's true as individuals. That's also true societally. So we went out of 2022 with certain issues in our culture. We're going into 2023 with those same issues. There's still a war in the Ukraine. There's still high inflation. There's still people struggling economically. There's still a crisis at the border down in Texas. There's all of these things. There's still all this infighting that happens politically in our world. There's still abuse scandals in the churches. That's is. Uh, evergreen, right? It goes from one year into the next. So we want to work on them and just not pretend that they go away. And one of those enormous issues that is going to be right in front of us, front and center, is the topic of abortion. And you know very well where I stand. I've shared this many times with you before and Aubrey as well. Uh, We are very much pro-life. We want to uh, be pro-life from the saying goes from womb to tomb. We want to uh, to be for people. We want to be for the marginalized, for the least of these, as Jesus has taught us. And there really aren't many more marginalized, least of these people than, than the babies, than those in their mother's womb who need protecting. And uh, the idea of abortion has been front and center as an issue this year, especially earlier in the summer. I believe it was when the Supreme Court took it up and made major changes. And so uh, Planned Parenthood came out with a tweet over the weekend that I, it took my breath away, to be honest with you. Maybe it shouldn't have come. Maybe it shouldn't have. Uh, but it really did. I, I suppose this is a tweet from a Planned Parenthood action campaign. Uh they wrote this and then it has like a like artwork to it like a an emojis with a heart and a cheering and then uh you know very colorful and it says this self-care comes in many forms how do you practice your self-care and then the clip art the whatever you want to call it the the graphic that they have put out there of a person kind of hugging themselves it says this abortion is self-care Abortion is self-care. I want you to take that in for a moment. Four words. 
Abortion is self-care. Not abortion is to be avoided. Not abortion is, even in their terms, um, the lesser of two evils. Not uh, let's work to minimize abortion. None of this. It's what you can do for yourself. One of the best things you can do for yourself here from Planned Parenthood is to get an abortion. So some of the replies to this tweet were uh, were ama- uh, were crazy, were amazing. Uh, one person wrote, I'm sorry, uh, when I'm feeling like doing some self-care, I get my nails done. I don't kill my own children. Somebody else wrote demonic. Somebody else wrote, I'm sorry, but no, I'm pro-choice, but abortion is not a day at the spa. Uh, it is not, quote, no big deal. This rhetoric devalues the lives of children in the same way the other side devalues the lives of women. I remember when pro-choice meant pro-woman, not pro-abortion. That's from an account called The Feminist. Uh, Father Matthew Schneider wrote this, a principle of good self-care is that it does not harm others. Abortion does not just harm another human, but kills that tiny human being. It's really staggering to read this. Like it really, I, I tried to think about how can somebody on the other side of this debate, how could somebody on the other end write a something like this that so minimizes this? But friends, what you need to realize is, is that this is a window. This is they, they are screaming their belief system here about abortion. That it's self-care. It's not a big deal. It might be good for you. Go ahead and do it if you need it. If you just need to get rid of that baby, go ahead and do it. We've said this many times before, even on the pro-choice side of the debate, there used to be uh, language about minimizing abortions. Uh, Bill Clinton, what was it? Safe and rare or something like that. Like that was the platform. And it really has gone from uh, pro-choice to pro-abortion. Abortion is self-care? And we as Christians and we who particularly believe in a pro-life ethic when it comes to abortion need to understand uh, the playing field here. And that is an advancement of abortion. That is a normalizing of abortion. That is a saying, this is, there's not a big deal to it. This is fine. Can we at least say this is a huge deal? Even if you land on the other side and say, I do, or others tend to in the church, can we at least hold this up as a big deal and not make clip art that minimizes it and gives you bright colors with childish uh, like uh, graphics? And it's, it's horrifying. And it's just not true. It's just not. Here's what we know. Many, many, many women who have gotten abortions will not describe it as self-care. They will describe it as traumatizing. And again, we need to make the caveat. If you're listening to this and you've gotten an abortion in your past, God does forgive. There is grace available. There's counseling available. Like we want to hold that out there, but please do not minimize this, people. This is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. This is a theological issue. This is an issue of, of, of grave consequence. And for Planned Parenthood to put out there a silly graphic that just says abortion is self-care with some sort of picture of like a smiling, I don't even know how to describe it, is just 
dehumanizing. It's um, it's appalling. It's uh, it's purposeful. And we have to recognize that church in 2023, we must continue to stand up for the unborn. You as an individual, go find one of the great places that that doing the work on the front lines, caring network, other places like that. We as churches, we as individuals need to take up this debate. I know sometimes it, it can be awkward and sometimes that you feel like it puts you in a weird spot. Sometimes it makes for uncomfortable conversations, but this is a really a life and death issue and one that cannot be just minimized with little tweets like abortion is self-care because self-care comes in many forms like taking a nap or exercising. No, these are completely different things. So uh, a hard way to start, but wanted to read that because when I saw that over the last week, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Hey, friends, Happy New Year. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you back with us after a couple days off for the Christmas and New Year's holidays. But we are back at it. There is always this energy, right, when the New Year starts. Okay, let's do this. Some of the struggles of the past year, maybe I can I can forget about them or I can wipe them clean or I can have a new perspective on them. Not just magically that they go away, but you know what? There's something new and it's biblical. We're new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It's a great reminder that in Christ, he makes things new. He restores things. He transforms things, including us. That, That when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wipe it clean. I do love that verse, right? He's in where new creation, the old is gone. The new has come. That's a great verse to kind of meditate on at the new year's holiday. Yeah. God does do new things. God does uh, transform things. I can move past the failures of 2022 into some, some new perspectives and some new um, ways of doing things in 2023. So I hope that's uh, where you're at. I hope you're going into this new year optimistically and ready to see what does God have for us? What does he have for me as an individual? What does he have for my church and this radio show? What does he have for your family and your life and, and your relationships <clears throat> and whatever it is that you're praying for? Have expectancy. What is God going to do? It's a new creation, a new time. The old is gone. The new has come. Let us pray with expectation. Let us attack this new year with expectation. So uh, happy new year. Glad that we are kicking off this year today. Again, Aubrey's not here with me. She'll be back again on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Uh, I told you before the last break that I, I got into a little deep dive the other day of uh, these kind of rabbit holes. Right. And I was watching some some inspirational coach uh, like basketball coaches, football coaches, some inspirational speeches. And there was a lot of great ones. But I wanted to play something because with the new year coming, so my job, I'm a pastor, right? And so I think of what I'm about to hear in terms of churches. But you could take whatever this life lesson is and apply it to whatever is your particular situation, your your place of employment, your your church and your small group, your family or whatever else it might be. This guy's name is Jay Wright. Jay Wright uh, was the coach at Villanova, a basketball coach, national championship winning, I think two-time national championship winning, if I remember right. And, 
Uh, a lot of people think he'll end up coaching again, but he just retired. He, he was done another, a year or two ago. Uh, but this was from back in his coaching days. He was speaking to a group of, it looks like uh, probably boosters or alumni or whatever else about how, what he asks of his basketball team. And so again, I, a lot of you thinking of it in terms of basketball is not going to be helpful, but think of it maybe in terms of uh, your work or how you view your, whatever else it might be. What are these principles? So let's go ahead and listen to what Jay Wright said about his basketball team. In basketball, we want our guys to understand there's things you can't control. Some days you're not going to make your shots. Some days the refs are going to make bad calls. But you can't control that. So what you can control is your attitude and how you approach what you're doing that day. They have to understand... If you look at anybody that's in a position of, of success, they worked hard to get there. you got to understand the value of hard work. That's why that the bottom part of that triangle is, is hard. We tell them, play hard. In life, you have to give great effort. And nothing, nothing really matters if you don't do that. And we want, them to, we want them to appreciate the value of hard work. Then you can get to that next step of the triangle where we move up is togetherness. And, and to be together, everyone's got to be working hard. You've got to trust everybody around you, that everybody's committed, working hard. Or you, can't, you don't have any togetherness. Any organization. On our team, we tell our guys, you know, you, we, when we're on the court, you've got to trust everybody's giving 100% effort. You prove that by what you do every day in practice, not by how you come to a game. So that you get into a game, we, we trust each other. We believe in each other. We we inspire each other when there's no question of anybody's commitment or effort. So I love how he starts. That the greatest characteristic he believes you can have is a great attitude. And that it's a choice every day when you wake up. An attitude. Because he says, I love it, with basketball, he says, you can't control whether the shot's always going to go in or not go in. You can't control injuries. You can't control those types of things. But he says, you can control your attitude. And I thought about my own life as I, you know, as I pastor our church and work at the radio, or as I just deal with my family and, and love my family or whatever else it might be. Some days... I get, or not even days, weeks, I'll get into ruts of just having a bad attitude, pessimistic attitude, a negative attitude. And that then perpetuates itself. That then um, grows itself over time. And you end up being a negative person, a pessimistic person, and a negative person, a bad attitude is going to lead to bad results, bad perspective, you can be a bad boss or worker, whatever else it might be. Jay Wright says, what would it look like to wake up every day with a great attitude that yesterday was bad in his situation, right? We lost yesterday or the player says, I, I, I had a terrible game. But you know what? Today's going to be better. You can control your attitude. You could control your attitude towards your job, towards your life situation, towards your spouse. Like maybe you and your spouse are going through something right now, and maybe yesterday was a bad day, but you know what? You could wake up tomorrow and say, I love my spouse. I'm going to wipe the slate. We're good. I'm going to have a good attitude towards my spouse or towards my kids or towards my coworkers, whatever else it might be. I love this idea of a good attitude. But then he moved on and he says, you also have to understand and appreciate the value of hard work. Nothing really matters if you don't give great effort. 
Again, what is it that we can control? That's what resonated to me with this uh, speech he gave. What can we control in our lives? We can control our attitude. We can control our work ethic. I can't control the results. I can't control how things play out because that becomes contingent upon things outside of my control. Other people, uh, just life circumstances, whatever else it might be. But you and I, we could control our attitude. We could control our work ethic. And then he talks about being a part of a team, having a good attitude and a good work ethic for other people. Life should never be lived just for ourselves, but for other people as well. This idea of a team. And I, I, we always talk about church as team. That, that you're, there's a bigger mission out there. There's a bigger group that we, we work for, we work with, we uh, are with. How's your attitude as you go into 2023? How's that attitude? How about... How is your work ethic? You're going to work hard this year? You could control those two things. Who's your team? Who are you working for? These are all really important things to think about. I know they got me thinking, okay, if nothing else in 2023, I want to be a person with a good attitude. I want to wake up each day and go, okay, I'm optimistic about today. Today's going to be a better day, a good day. And one of the reasons for that is because I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have a good work ethic in that, and I'm going to um, put in the effort necessary. I thought that was a good word, right? Some of us, we played sports when we were younger, and you kind of miss being a part of a team. But uh, good words from Jay right there. All right, coming up next, I do want to touch on a story I've been a bit obsessed with, but it's one of the most horrific stories you're going to read. That murder, uh, that quadruple murder out of Idaho, where there was just a huge uh, break over the weekend where there was an arrest. I want to reflect upon this story. As I said, I've really had this focus on this story. It's really caught my uh, attention. And I want to talk about something that tells us just about humanity. Next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Go back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this first show of 2023. Normally joined by Aubrey Sampson, but Aubrey uh, is out dealing with some personal things tomorrow, uh, today and tomorrow. But she will be back with us on Wednesday. Looking forward to having uh, being back together with Aubrey here in 2023. Uh, so glad and so thankful for all of you as our listeners. You know, we don't say it enough, uh, but really grateful for you and uh, looking forward. What does 2023 have for the common good? There's always this new perspective. There's there's a new thing coming and we are excited to have you with us here in 2023. All right. Over at the Gospel Coalition, they took up the conversation of social media, but they did it in a really fascinating way. They had two of their people write basically completely different articles. So uh, who was the first one? Let me go scroll up here. Joanna Kimbrell, she wrote why I'm staying on social media. But then Sarah Zalstra, who we've had on this show many times, and in fact, Sarah is, I believe, going to be with us tomorrow, and we're going to talk to her about this and some other things. Sarah, on the same day, wrote this article, Why I Left Social Media and Won't Go Back. Social media, you can't 
ignore it. Some people, you know, especially some people who are probably a little bit older, they're like, I'm, I'm not doing anything social media. But let's be honest, social media is only going to continue to grow. You've got new platforms, new things. So you might get off of some of social media. Like if you I've shared this story, I've really pulled back from Facebook a lot. I just couldn't handle it anymore. And so uh, I, I kind of pulled away from it. And it's been great, but I really am still on Twitter, uh, not on Instagram as much anymore, but I've begun doing be real with my with my wife and kids. So there's all these platforms that you can be on. And some aspects of social media are wonderful. And I think that's what Joanna is going to get at. Right. Why I decided to stay uh, why I'm staying on social media. But some aspects are really difficult. Uh, some aspects of social media are um, destructive. And I think that's what Sarah is going to get at. So let me summarize both and then ask you to make some decisions. All right. So stay with me. I'm going to ask you what, which one of these do you buy into? Because Joanna's going to say, I'm staying on social media, but I'm going to do it with some guardrails. Uh, Sarah's saying I'm getting off. I'm done. And I think both are appropriate, this is not a right or wrong issue, uh, but it is a, what do you need? So uh, Joanna says this, what are her reasons for staying on one? It's a place to form connections. She says online relationships are not a replacement for in-person community. However, many of the connections I've made, she says, are, are meaningful. Some of the people I've connected with online are live later met at conferences or coffee shops and are now part of in-person community. So connection. Number two, opportunity for growth. She says, from recipes to life hacks, to parenting and spiritual growth, many accounts I choose to follow post things that encourage and edify me. Three, an avenue to share the gospel. She says, TikTok isn't necessarily for evangelism, nor is an Instagram post a replacement for in-person ministry. However, billions of people use these apps and they're listening. And so you can use it uh, for good. And so she's going to say for herself, she's going to set some guardrails, but she's going to stay invested in social media. The first guardrail is to set time limits. She said, I'm going to set time limits uh, in an effort to follow the commands of Ephesians 5, right? Looking carefully at how we walk. She said, I set time limits for my apps on my phone. If you're tempted to push the add 15 minutes button, continue, consider having someone else have the passcode. So set time limits Two, take regular breaks. She says, I regularly delete my social media apps entirely from my phone for the weekend or for extended breaks throughout the year. That way I'm freed up for prayer, scripture, meeting with others, whatever else it might be. So it's super easy, friends, to remove the apps from your phone. Number three, curate your feed. Does scrolling make you want to buy more things, increase your focus on physical appearance, lead you into temptation or leave you bitter and anxious? Take time to work through your follow list, right? Unfollow people. Did you know on Facebook that you can unfollow people without unfriending them? So they'll never know that you unfollowed them. There is about, I did that last year with about, before I got off of Facebook, I did that with like 80% of my feed. I said, who are the people that when I read their stuff, it leaves me in a bad place because they're posting political stuff or they're constantly fighting or they're constantly doing this unfollow, unfollow, and they'll never know it. Number five, think before you post, before you post, ask yourself, and what am I, what am I hoping this post will accomplish? Am I being loving with this? And then reevaluate regularly. 
So grateful for what uh, Joanna writes here. But then Sarah takes a different tact. Sarah Zylstra says, this is why I left social media and I'm never going back. And again, we're going to talk to Sarah about this tomorrow. She says, nine, month ago, nine months ago, right in the middle of launching a podcast, I quit social media. And she says, my life is so much better than I remembered it being before I joined social media. So why'd she get off of social media? Uh, things like uh, she became entangled in social media, she said. She became uh, too attached to it. And then she says, why am I staying off of it? Uh, Real fast before she says, uh, it just wasn't a healthy place for me. So I got rid of everything, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But why am I staying off? It says uh, social media was affecting me in negative ways. I know this because since I've gotten off, I've had more time and more energy. I've been able to think more clearly, organize myself more effectively, and do a noticeably better job at home and at work. I've been able to read the Bible and other books without getting bored. I pay more attention to my family. I enjoy them more. My persistent low-level anxiety has disappeared. I'm more relaxed and more patient. I'm far more intentional with my choices, and not once have I prioritized that uh, what would look good on social media over what's actually good. She said, I'm not worried about what somebody is saying on social media. I'm not stressed about things I can't do anything about. For me, this was the right choice. It might not be the right decision for you, but given the average American spends two hours a day on social media, it's worth at least thinking about why you're there and whether you should be. So Sarah makes a great case. She says, uh, I'm more productive. I'm doing more things enjoyable. I don't have that anxiety. Things in my life have gotten better. Whereas Joanna says, it's an important part of my connection. Which is it for you? I wanted to read both these or touch on both these just to ask, what do you need? Because what you need might be different from what your neighbor needs, your spouse needs, whoever else needs. What do you need? What role does social media play? Is it a life suck? Is it a time suck? Is it an energy? Is it causing you anxiety, depression? Then have the guts to get off of it. Or have you set up systems so that you're not, you're not, you're able to guard yourself from the negative aspects and you're using it for mission, for connection, for, for other things that, that are God honoring, then stay and lean into those. You need guardrails if that's you. But friends, I don't think you have to be on social media. I, I guess this is a hard one. I want to talk to Sarah about this tomorrow because I go back and forth, right? I got off of Facebook, but sometimes I think getting off of Facebook has just made me get on Twitter more. So which is it for you? Have the guts in 2023 if social media is at all a place of anxiety for you, a place of comparison, a place of um, that, that lowers your self-esteem, that takes you away from your family, that takes you away from reading and Bible study and prayer. Have the guts to get off of it for a season or for good. Grateful for the Gospel Coalition, willing to kind of lean into uh the complexity of this. So we're going to have Sarah on with us tomorrow. We'll talk more about this. We are looking forward to that. My name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.